0: We're glad to have you uh, tuned in this morning for the Immigration Hour, which uh, should be starting right this moment as the man walks in the door. (laughs) No, it's uh, It's we go by the we go by the official computer clock. Uh, Okay. So anyway. 959. Well, yeah. uh, that one doesn't count. It doesn't count.
1: Oh, that, no. That's, that's the apple. That does not count. Does that, it?
0: Uh, no. Sorry about that, Charles.
1: Uh, I thought Rocky would be down here for sure. Uh, but uh, I am um, very excited today because we're going to be having a special guest here with us. Uh, Angelo Paparelli is going to be joining us. Angelo is, uh, uh, is a great immigration lawyer based out of Los Angeles. He works for the national law firm of Safar Shaw. Uh, and uh, every year, Angelo um, uh, writes. He writes a blog every week, uh, once or twice. And uh, yeah, and uh, he uh, gives out and creates created the Emmys, the I-M-M-I's, the Emmys. So we're gonna get Angelo on the phone here in just a second or so. But uh, Rock will be down here uh, to talk. I don't know where Rock. Is. I thought he'd be here for sure. But it's uh, it is a gorgeous day here in the South. Yes, it is. It's a gorgeous uh, it was, day uh, in the South.
0: 6 degrees when I came in it was this a little morning. chilly this
1: morning. It was all up to 13 just now, uh, and so it's a veritable heat wave. Have you told your
0: know. parking lot out front that yet?
1: No, I don't know why they've closed the parking lot. There's no ice on it because there's no water on it. Uh, so it's a very interesting uh, setup we, we have here in our building.
0: This is Web Radio. But we are head. very You're
1: excited to have, have Angelo okay. be joining us here today.
0: Thank
1: you. And do we have Angelo me. now?
0: Well, it takes me just a second, Charles. All right.
1: Well, we're very excited about this. Uh, we yeah. are... Um, I have the right one. Angelo, are you there for us? I am, Chuck. Angelo, good morning. Good morning. We are so excited to have you join us here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio today because one of my favorite things of every new year is reading who the winners of this year's Emmys are. And uh, I was just telling our, our audience that uh, you are the the actual creator, the creator of the Emmys, uh, and uh, having you on the show is a very special treat for us, and uh, hopefully a lot of our good friends are listening live, or certainly will download the podcast later to hear, to hear our discussion about uh, what these are. Angela, first tell us, uh, what are the Emmys? Where did this come from? Why did you do this?
2: Well, Chuck, uh, as you know, I uh, practice law from California and often from New York, and uh, the center of immigration action and inaction, is usually in washington although increasingly we're seeing state activities and uh... grassroots activities uh... uh... from people all over the country but still most of the uh... disappointments most of the activities that are uh... occurring in the immigration ecosphere occur, uh... in or from washington dc and it seemed that it would be a, a healthy for uh, the people who are in our leadership, to understand an outsider's inside perspective of, uh, of what is going on. And so I thought it would be helpful to, ch- to do a year in review, once a year, and this is now, I believe, the fourth year that we have uh, conferred Emmys. Now, to be fair, there is no nominating committee, there is no formal process, Essentially, what I try to do is, I, I, uh, as a year ensues, I, I take note of uh, actions that seem to be either very good or very bad in terms of uh, improving our dysfunctional immigration system.
1: Well, too bad and you have nothing the, to choose from. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> too, too bad you have nothing to choose from when you, uh, when you make these choices.
2: Actually, there's an abundance yeah, of, of opportunities here,
1: Chuck. Uh, Angela, yeah. I just want to let you know, joining me on the show today is Rocky Rockcliffe. Rocky is one of our wonderful attorneys and uh, a, a a great voice of reason here. So he may ask a question or two as we go forward.
2: Nice to speak with you, Rocky.
1: Hey, you too, Mr. Paparelli. How are you doing?
2: Just call me Angelo. Yeah. I okay. love that he
1: called you Mr. Paparelli. That, <laughs> that is just yeah. so awesome. All right. <laughs> it reminds me of me. Uh, Angelo, I loved the picture that you put on the top of your Emmys this year. Uh, You at Ellis Island in New York.
2: Well, uh, this was my second trip to Ellis Island, and frankly I hadn't realized how badly it had been devastated uh, by uh, Hurricane Sandy. It was very badly Uh, hit, wasn't it? Yes, and and fortunately I learned that the damage came from flooding to the basement, and most of the artifacts were on the second floor.
1: Oh, good. That's good. The
2: the artifacts have been removed, uh, and they are safe. But it's going to require a, a substantial appropriation from Congress to restore Ellis Island to its its uh, former glory, um, and and therefore uh, one goes there not expecting to feel the haunting uh, space of uh, immigrants uh, uh, who had gone through those portals, but rather uh, uh, a more of an educational tour of immigration history, which is what it is at this point. But at some point, hopefully, Congress will. Uh, take action uh, to restore Ellis Island, and hopefully, as well, they'll do something to uh, improve co- uh, our immigration system with comprehensive immigration reform.
1: Maybe, maybe they'll put that little blast of money in there. Didn't Lee Iacocca fix up the Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, back about thirty years ago? Uh,
2: yes, and, yeah. that, and I think uh, the external structure uh, is still sound. It <sighs> okay. seems as if the infrastructure, the cooling system, which is essential to keeping the artifacts preserved. Is, is what was damaged. So there has to be a new Leah Iacocca coming along to make that effort if Congress can't do it on its own.
1: There's always Mark Zuckerberg.
2: Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> so, Angela, tell us about the Emmys. Um, uh, you talked well, about the history of them. This is the fourth year, uh, and you've, you had a lot to choose from because there's lots of infamy and uh, also some very good things that immigration uh, has, has occurred. But I think you made a really interesting well, point, which is people outside the system really don't understand how the system works.
2: And and that's true. And and I would offer as an example one of the uh, uh, Emmy Awards that that I conferred this year was uh, known as the Lifetime of Achievement Award. Um, And and I did a little play on the term lifetime Mm -hmm. because I was referring not to the achiever's lifetime but rather my lifetime as an immigration lawyer, which stands some 30 years. And uh, that award I conferred on uh, the director of the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS, um, Mr. Alejandro Mayorkas. He, he's known to most people as Ali Mayorkas. And I must say, uh, in my lifetime, having seen many, many uh, former commissioners of the old Immigration and Naturalization Service, the legacy agency, and also uh, subsequent uh, directors of USCIS, once the function left the Department of Justice and moved over to Homeland Security, I have never seen anyone accomplish as much as as Ali Mayorkas did. And that's not to say that he succeeded on all fronts, but he was, as I said, is lawyer's lawyer. Uh, he came to this with a desire to get things right. Uh, he began his tenure uh, some several years ago with um, an effort to find out, well, what is the policy of USCIS? What, what have they stated on the record for the public to uh, and the stakeholders to, to learn about so that people could comply with the law, people could ask for the benefits they wanted? And, and, and he therefore uh, canvassed all of the policies and also encouraged the public to comment about the policies and what they should be, and surprisingly, not not to insiders, but surprisingly to him and to others, um, the policies were in total disarray. They Shocking. With, Shocking. Uh, they, they, I know, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> please hold your irony. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the policies conflicted with one another, or there were no policies, or it was a seat-of-the-pants decision based on the officer's mood at the, on that given day. or or how he or she woke up in the morning, or whether their spouse was uh, friendly or unfriendly when they left uh, for work that day. There really were no policies. Um, And and so he took it upon himself to endeavor to try and bring some order to it. The other thing he discovered, frankly, was that there was a secret power within the uh, agency that sought to make uh, law on their own, unelected bureaucrats who read the newspapers, and decided that they would um, modify their decisions according to what they saw in the newspaper, rather than the way the law is supposed to be um, uh, handled, which is there's the Constitution, there are statutes, there are regulations, and uh, there are court decisions that are binding precedent. That is is how law is supposed to be made, but it hasn't historically been made that way. So he encountered a whole cadre of... from the district offices to the regional service centers to the headquarters of people who opposed everything he did. And uh, that opposition became very, very vocal and visible. And they, they essentially uh, reported their uh, suspicions of wrongdoing on the part of Mr. Mayorkas. I don't believe he was in, uh, involved in any wrongdoing. I agree. But this was their way to try and uh, neutralize him. Uh, they would report their suspicions to Senator Grassley, Chuck Grassley, who is uh, not a friend of immigration and is always looking to amplify uh, a non-scandal and make it appear scandalous. And and so Mr. Grassley would then uh, ask the Department of Homeland Security uh, Office of Inspector Dr. General, General yeah. to uh, chime in and investigate what was going on. And this has been done now several times with uh, OIG investigations that were uh, really uh, preordained outcomes. They, they interviewed only insiders, often only lower-level insiders, uh, in terms of the officials at the agency, and uh, found, as might be expected in any workplace, a fair n- a number of gripers. And unfortunately, the OIG investigators didn't know much about immigration because they, uh, they assumed things. That were true, that were gospel based on merely what these low-level officials stated without really an understanding of what is the law and what has been the agency practice, uh, what is the purpose of statutes and regulations, uh, that Congress and the agencies over many years have. And uh, what are their propagated. agenda?
1: And their agenda. Let's not forget and their they own agenda. And they had
2: their own hidden agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, notwithstanding all of this, uh, Ali Mallorca's, um, in, in improved customer engagement. To some degree, he improved technological resources. Certainly, the information accessible from the USCIS website is much improved. He began an effort to uh, codify policy. I would uh, I would say that Congress was right in uh, um, accepting the president's nomination of Mr. Mayorkas to be the deputy secretary of the Homeland Security Department. I, I would say that um Ali uh, came to this with a, a lawyer's lawyer attitude in the sense that he was a former u s attorney in Los Angeles, a partner in a major full service law firm um, in Los Angeles uh, and uh, he he certainly will I think do good things at homeland security, uh, but I do hope he does not forget what he learned at immigration and keeps a, a careful eye on what could otherwise f- uh, fall back into uh, uh, misbehavior and chaos again. So uh, that's why the Lifetime of Achievement Award was conferred. I also, just since I spoke about the OIG, I I, con- uh, I conferred on them a, a Rush to Preordain Judgment Award. And, and I love reason. that.
1: Before before you get back to the OIG, because I, I think I want to say one more thing about Ali Mayorkas. Um, you know, I've been around only for 25 years, not 35 years, but I have seen a parade of people nominated to the directorship of the, of the USCIS or the old INS coming in with zero experience, including Ali Mayorkas, who came in with zero experience. He was the only one, I believe, that attempted to understand the policies that he was actually in charge of implementing. I don't think any of the others really had a desire to fix the system in a way that made it more accessible to people. That's why I think your award for him was perfectly suited. Uh, Angela, we're going to take a break here, our uh, first break on the Immigration Hour today. We'll be back in just one minute. Cook Immigration
3: Partners is your passport through the immigration maze.
1: Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9
3: rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
3: Si usted tiene problemas con immigration o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a 404 816 A los 404-816861 or al www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat Radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on
1: America's Web Radio. Angelo, it's so great to have you here today. I love listening to you talk.
2: Well, Chuck, it's always fun to talk with you. We go way back. Well, and, that we uh, do.
1: And for those of you who don't know, Angelo uh, was one of my three main teachers of immigration law. Angelo is a mentor to me and really a fantastic lawyer. Uh, in, in my opinion, a lawyer's lawyer as well. I think he's more of a lawyer, lawyer in immigration than Ali Mayorkas is. Uh, Angela, well, you were talking about my favorite topic recently is OIG. I blogged on OIG recently, and, and you gave them an Emmy. Uh, tell us about this Emmy.
2: Well, this was more an Emmy of uh, infamy rather than an Emmy of honor, <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: um, because uh, I have blogged before about uh, how uh, the OIG tends to dish out immigration baloney. Uh, they've investigated the H-1B program. They've investigated alleged... Uh, interference by the Office of Chief Counsel in the adjudication function at USCIS. And now they have recently, just last month in December, uh, issued uh, a report uh, condemning uh, the EB-5 program. I'm sure your listeners know that the EB-5 is the so-called million-dollar or half-million-dollar investor uh, program that allows someone to get a conditional and then a permanent green card as long as they invest uh, uh, an amount, as I stated, that would lead to the creation of 10 jobs for American workers. And so it is a popular, but it is a controversial pro- uh, program. It is also one that Senator Grassley dislikes, because he is uh, very Catholic in his dislike of immigration programs, in the sense that he universally dislikes them all, it would appear, but the, uh, unless they're enforcement-oriented, of course. Uh, but what uh, what they came out with was a ridiculous study because they studied it at a point in time uh, before which major reforms of the EB-5 program had been instituted. And uh, um, so they they took a look, and I use this analogy. It was as if someone had a before and after shot of a nose job, and they looked at the before shot with the big nose and said, this is a big nose. And they didn't look. <laughs> At the results of, of the of the nose uh, surgery, the plastic surgery, where the the patient now is is uh, attractive and beautiful, and so uh, they concluded by only asking very low level officials, without asking or spending significant time with uh, people in the USCIS Ombudsman's office, without spending time with the leadership of the fraud detection uh, directorate in any significant degree. They had already formed their opinion um, uh, and issued their tentative findings before they even spoke with the leadership at headquarters at at, uh, USCIS. And so what they did not look into was the fact that the EB-5 program, admittedly having been – poorly managed by the California Service Center at USCIS, <laughs> yeah. had been taken back and brought to Washington as a special EB-5 program, um, that economists had been hired, um, and that uh, uh, commercial lawyers had been hired, that the Department of Commerce and the Securities Exchange Commission had been brought in. All of these things had happened, and in addition, the agency had issued a very comprehensive uh, policy memorandum back in May uh, that uh, clarified many, many points and was welcomed by the stakeholder community because it created a sense of, of, um, of what the law is and what the interpretations are so business decisions could be made. Moreover, the OIG gave very little weight to the sense of, of uh, continuity and uh, reliance interests, that when a business uh, and investors spend huge amounts of capital, and jobs are created, uh, and, and thereafter someone second guesses an earlier decision and wants to call it into question and reverse that and, and create a path of destruction uh, where people in good faith, interpreting the rules as they were at the time, believe what they were doing was right, and an adjudicator approved it. Now. The OIG thinks it's appropriate to second-guess that and shut all that down. Well, I just think that the OIG did this uh, just as they uh, investigated Mr. Mayorkas himself for alleged interference in an EB-5 case uh, to (laughs) avoid the scandalous behavior of of a then-OIG leader uh, who was himself under investigation. And this was a... That's exactly the point.
1: That's a really good point. The OIG head. Himself was being investigated for improper conduct. Right.
2: right. and so uh, it's very interesting if you look at the congressional record. It's it's, it's on video on, on the net where Senator Leahy just just uh, lambastes the uh, the OIG uh, uh, witness who uh, had not even for months and months and months invest, interviewed Mr. Mayorkas to get his side of the story, <laughs> um, and, and so. And the way this was leaked only to Senator Leahy and the Democratic leadership in the in the Senate Judiciary Committee was given no knowledge of the tendency of this investigation. The whole thing was scandalous. Now, the other thing I did was I <coughs> awarded an Emmy for the people who were the snitches to the OIG, and <laughs> and, and, and I call that the private off-the-shelf organization award. That's my little. That's uh, one of my favorite ones. <laughs> exactly. That, that, Uh, That's my little tip of the hat to Oliver North's comment that uh, (laughs) if if we can't uh, sell um, guns to the Contras and and, uh, do it with uh, the help of the Iranian uh, Islamic Republic, um, you know, we'll just create our own private off-the-shelf organization. We don't need the CIA to run covert operations. Well, there are covert operations going on at USCIS by uh, self-aggrandizing adjudicators, uh, and also at the State Department by uh, consular officers, who again read the, the the newspapers and form their own opinions of what public policy ought to be, rather than adhering to their oaths of office and following what the law is. And so we've seen far too often people just make stuff up as the law inside the bureaucracy. We call we call that on the show MSU Angelo. Yeah, the MSU. The MSU. Award. That's what they do. Yeah. Um, so uh, those are some of the awards I've written. Uh, I'm kind of pleased with um, my, my award uh, involving judicial independence called the Judges Got to Be Free Award. Got to um, be that, free. <laughs> that Emmy, I, I gave out to two um, um, uh, recipients. One, the Board of Immigration Appeals, which, with which I don't all often agree. No, no, none of us today. do, Angela,
1: practice immigration uh, law.
2: <laughs> right. But I have to say that from time to time they have stood up notwithstanding that they're merely employee attorneys of the Department of Justice, and they said the federal government is wrong, it's wearing no clothes, the emperor is naked. And they and they therefore have consistently um, exercised judicial independence. But the other recipient of the judges' got-to-be-free award uh, was the uh, Federal Bar Association Immigration Section. Um, I'm pleased and honored to be a member of the board of that section, and uh, we put through a proposal to create an immigration court a national immigration court right now we have so many disparate uh, tribunals uh, courts appellate bodies that have to touch a piece of what is the law in immigration there's no single body uh, n- no single judiciary that that decides what immigration means and and that has always been a a failing in the system because the agencies each only understand their portion of their immigration jurisdiction, their unique domain. And no one, uh, other than really the public and their lawyers, have to try and figure out what the law is because no one harmonizes that. Uh, you know as well as I that there's often competitiveness and dislike uh, between and among the sister agencies of government who, that have roles in immigration. And, and, for example, people at the Department of Labor may dislike the Department of homeland Security and everyone knows the Department of State thinks they're superior to the rest of the world so <laughs> so um, the, the the problem is that we need a court to uh, announce what the law is and that that court has to be free and and independent and not uh, subject to what an, an attorney general might, <laughs> might expect people to be and do and and so I, I we hope that uh, fortunately that the Federal Bar Association Board of Directors adopted this as its formal policy. We hope they will advocate for an Article One immigration court.
4: Angelo, uh, you know, just quick question for you here. Uh, sure. How far off do you think that is? Do you think we're ever going to get that?
2: Well, you know, I'm kind of Don Quixote out here in uh, <laughs> um, in California. I, I, I tilt at windmills. Um, I know that's the right thing, and, and my hope is that It will plant a seed in the mind of some congressional staffer who will persuade his or her uh, congressional leader that that this is an issue worth dealing with. And, you know, there are so many people who want to try and gain points with the immigration uh, stakeholder community. Um, We know the electorate, the demographics are changing, and I would hope that some... Mark Stafford, or it doesn't matter which party uh, would would take this up and persuade their uh, congressional leader or senator that that this is an issue worth pushing. Uh, it, and and look at what's happened. Let me give you an example. How did the USCIS Ombudsman's office come into being? It came into being because Congress uh, re- congressional leaders got tired of doing constituent services and having to go directly to the U.S. to the old INS and try to get their 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 constituents problems resolved. So they said let's let's de- develop an agency that will take this off our hands. Um, and and so we now have the USCIS Ombudsman which has done some good things over the years. Why can't Well, well since Ma- the- since
1: Maria Odom has been there cuz Prakash Carter yeah, did nothing that, to that, help uh individual cases at all. shout so, out to Maria right, Odom. Well, yeah.
2: That, and I, but I would say there were predecessors uh uh, Dougherty was uh, a pretty uh, proactive yes, fellow. Yes. And, and so there were, were good ombudsmen, and it's been a, um, a very, very healthy development within the immigration eco space. I would say that, that the same thing would be the case. Let's <laughs> decide and declare what the heck the law is in this area and not make it so complicated. And hopefully, we begin to get some, some real independent thinking. I mean, look at. What, what's happened with the, the advanced parole decision, matter of arabelli? Oh,
1: it's been that, wonderful. That
2: someone, someone who's undocumented, who was given permission to travel abroad, can come back and, and by reason of their entry, adjust status if they're otherwise eligible for a green card. What a wonderful decision! And that came out of out of a court, admittedly a court tethered to the attorney general, the board of immigration appeals. But the same thing could happen even better if we had powerful, independent thinking from judges who are not kowtowing to the government, we could find out what the law is. Yep. So I don't know, Rocky, whether it will happen, but I like to plant a seed and see if it takes root.
4: See if it takes root. That's all you can do.
1: But I thought that was a great award. Uh, the BIA has, in the last several years, made some mon- I mean, they made some really bad decisions as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, like, let's kid ourselves. But uh, the three you picked, and then last year's the Arabelli and Mar- Marabelli decision, that is a life changer for a lot of people. So I think it's a it's really a great award. Absolutely, massive life
2: changer. Think of all the DACA us, kids. Yeah, let us not forget the leadership in the executive branch, President Obama, and and the leadership or lack thereof in Congress. Um, I gave President Obama the modest affront to reward. Um, you know, this, this guy really has disappointed me. With all respect to him, because I love him in many respects, but he has disappointed me in in my assumption that that a son of a Kenyan immigrant would uh, uh, have, who was himself, his father was abused by the old INS, uh, uh, would have had a much more sympathetic, empathetic heart toward immigration than he's shown. And we we know he broke his promise in in the first year, in in 2009, of failing to push immigration reform when he had a chance. We're still now in 2013 with nothing happening, and his bully, Peltic, it's more uh, a very toned-down kind of, uh, of uh, uh, reliance upon uh, pre-digested, pre-tested uh, uh, teleprompter bullet points than real, you know, fire in the belly. Angelo, but- we're
1: going we're gonna to come back and talk more about the modest effrontery award because you've hit a real good point with our host here, uh, David, about President Obama. We're going to take a break here on Immigration Hour. I'll be right back.
3: Soy Charles Cook, jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado, con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley, de cómo sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente ayudar. Hoy a las a las o en el Internet,
1: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, the most listened to immigration show in the in the world, I believe, David. Right in the world, and today we have our guest, Angela Paparelli. Angela, you were just talking about the modest, effrontery Emmy that you gave out to President Obama. Uh, we've had I think, any number of shows about the extraordinary, exactly the extraordinary lack of leadership uh, President Obama has shown on immigration, uh, despite things like DACA uh, and the proverbial prosecutorial discretion memo that came out. Um, I think your award was good, I, although I still would have given him the Deporter-in-Chief award, which you had kindly not given step him back, this year. Step
2: back from. You I, stepped I,
1: back from this year, Angela. I'm not sure. I probably would have given it to him again.
2: Well, um, I, I, this was my way of trying to send a signal to the president that maybe he, he could uh, uh, lead by uh, backing off on his deportation policy. Um, uh, it's it, it sort of uh, reverse psychology. And, uh, I don't know what influence I have on him, but
1: uh, <laughs> well, I know he I, reads the blog. So I mean, I, we'll yeah, see. Thank
2: you. I, I, I would. Uh, he hasn't told me, nor has his wife um, expressed any interest in the blog, t- as far as I know. But they haven't uh, commented. I thought for sure
1: they would have commented. But I know. I mean, well, I, I understand they read it. So
2: I, I see. Well, that's very flattering, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> but no, he he did he did show some modest kudzpa uh, by. Um, uh, Declaring the remedy of parole in place yes. for the undocumented immediate relatives of uh, military personnel, um, parole in place is a, is a marvelous uh, concoction that came up several administrations ago uh, to uh, essentially baptize an undocumented person and cause them to have the ability to get a green card. I love the
1: and- that, is, that is a great. I love the imagery you use with that because that's exactly what it is. It's sprinkling exactly, fairy yeah. dust over somebody, <laughs> saying, "Thou art now legally in the United States."
2: Well, it's not so much thou art now legally in the United States, but we thou we now confer on you a, a, a bathing of all your imperfections, so that you can, if you have some other way of doing so, get a green card. Yep, um, you
0: now have, legal many people
2: have a legal Many people have a way to get a green card if only their peccadillos and imperfections could be disregarded, and that's what parole in place does. It basically says, we're going to imagine that you've left the country and come back in blemish-free without having to, to leave, that, hence the, the parole in place. Um, and if they were to do this, they could uh, uh, put the Republicans really um, uh, at a loss because parole in place is... Uh, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, a prosecutorial discretion mm-hmm. policy on steroids. And and it would change the facts on the ground because people would come forward. They could, uh, off, I mean, not everyone in the undocumented population, but certainly large numbers of them could come forward based on petitions from uh, American citizen relatives or employers and and could qualify for uh, uh, the, the, marvelous benefit of a green card, mm-hmm. um, yeah, under the laws that exist with no new laws, it would just wash away the blemishes that now impede them from doing so. So I think that is a pretty good, uh, thing that he did it with the military was again, not a great deal of courage because who's going to oppose doing it? Yeah. Well, the that, well, you know, we've,
4: we've talked about that
2: the,
1: before. Yeah. yeah baby it's for steps. the troops. Yeah, Rocky's a former member of the United States military, <laughs> uh, D'Angelo, just FYI. And, uh, Uh, He talked a whole show about that. But uh, what I thought was hilarious, and you didn't give an irony award to the United States uh, uh, Marine Corps or Navy when they announced the same day that they would no longer accept recruits who had undocumented relatives.
2: (laughs) I hadn't seen that. I probably would have if (laughs) I had seen that.
1: I think they may have backed away from that, but I thought that that, that would have merited an, an irony award. Um, and, and,
2: Chuck, let, lest we forget, I think really we, we ought to highlight, uh, I did so with my Emmy for Profiles and Dithering, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the folks in Congress, not the Senate, who, uh, to their credit, got a bill passed, but to Speaker Boehner, who knows there are votes to pass comprehensive immigration reform. But he's just still in, in uh, fear of his right wing, the uh, Tea Party Republicans, uh, who have a place to their their concern about being primaried on the right in their particular districts uh, as more important uh, their own political survival than than the national loyalty and even the good of their own party as, as a as a party that that has a hope of governing in the future with the demographic shifts toward the Latino and 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 Asian population it, it's just a, a shock that he hasn't had the spine to put that up for a vote um, but. As I, I pointed out, he's recently hired a, a woman named Talent, uh, who was a former immigration policy advisor to uh, Senator John McCain, uh, and who is well-regarded. And maybe, just maybe, Ms. Talent will have the talent to persuade Mr. Boehner to uh, show some chutzpah and, and uh, put, put some votes up for action in the coming year. You know, a couple of shows uh, ago,
1: we talked about that talent. She, she literally has no other portfolio. She has no other expertise other than immigration. So there is only one reason to hire her. You yeah. want to push immigration, yeah. or at least I guess there's two. You want the perception that you were pushing immigration. So I guess there's right. two and, reasons
2: you could hire her. And, and that's the open question. Um,
1: but here's, um, here's, here's my response to that. Would she have taken the job without Boehner saying, I will move immigration if you come work for me?
2: And I think you're right. That same thought crossed my mind, that if you really want to kill your career and you're only known for immigration, Take a job where you neutralize your career.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, no, people wouldn't. Someone wouldn't do that no, if, I agree. if it means anything. It's a hopeful portent. But you know, let's let's forget not forget uh, our friends on the left who had uh, their own dysfunctional. Yes, they did, didn't they? I love year. this award. Uh, you know, I call this devouring one's own uh, award. Uh, this Emmy is for cannibalizing the opportunity to promote immigration reform by fighting with yourself. Uh, <laughs> And so um, it, it has turned out that uh, uh, the, the, the grassroots undocumented population uh, led by some very exuberant youth who, uh, at, because they are young, don't look at all the consequences, have engaged in some very, very, uh, I would say, intriguing and interesting acts of civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. Right. I mean,
1: a, a, we talked about that. A key part of the civil rights movement was civil disobedience.
2: Right. Right. And, and so I don't have a problem with agitation, but some immigration lawyers wanting to show that they know so much about immigration, and they're my friends, uh, decided to, you know, try to attack these. Uh, your, I know. Them. We know. <laughs> One of them called them at uh, a publicity stunt. Yep. And, you know, uh, you could call the March on Washington a publicity exactly stunt. Exactly right. It, it was and, and, terrible. And so I, I, I think... It would be nice if we just all calmed down on the left and, uh, and decided that we would work with our brothers and sisters on the right and pass comprehensive immigration reform and, and not become a spectacle of our uh, a sideshow uh, that distracts from it. And that's why I offered that award. Um, you know, I, I do want to give, a, give a, a nod to the Supreme Court uh, for having uh, 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 decided U.S. v. Windsor, and to the federal agencies that quickly uh, brought equal treatment uh, under the immigration law to same-sex uh, uh, binational couples who previously were, were uh, out of luck and did not enjoy the the same privileges as heterosexual spouses did under the immigration law. Well, you and I law. have been
1: dealing with this for decades, Angelo. Yeah. Uh, and, well, it, uh, it's, it's been heartbreaking. It I mean. is. It and, has you been. Know, its it has been it terrible. You
2: can see when people are really in love and... Um, when, the, when the law says you are less than, uh, it's unfair. And so many of us have seen the you know the changes as as the agencies really embrace um, the rejection of DOMA in U.S.V. Windsor, and uh, people are now able to get benefits when they were never hope they never had a hope in the past. Yeah, it was. It's, it's, uh, it's, I do it's want to talk to about my, my immigration champions award very briefly, Chuck, and that is just to recognize so many so many people out there who have been uh, uh, speaking out publicly, from Pope Francis uh, to uh, um, mothers who, who would uh, chain themselves to the White House uh, gate, uh, to uh, others who did sit-ins in detention centers, um, and, and I certainly would give a nod to the Dream 30 and the Dream 9, uh, those young uh, uh, people and, and some older people who uh, um, decided it. Cast a light on our dysfunctional border policies by leaving the country and applying to come back in, or having them removed to come back in. Uh, I also uh, think it would—it is interesting to uh, to give recognition to the movement within the states and the cities and the regions of this country that have said, if Washington is dysfunctional, that doesn't mean we are going to be dysfunctional. Uh, a number of the states have. have adopted programs of welcome to immigrants, and, and so too have cities. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've often talked about immigration devolution, and, and I think that's an idea that, that has some legs. where uh, the power to confer visas or special benefits uh, should be in limited and controlled ways given to the states because they know best. their whole idea of governance is that the states are a social laboratory where we can experiment with different ways of solving problems. And so the government should have a role in making sure that no one comes in who's a terrorist or a serious criminal. But on the other hand, there's no monopoly on wisdom as to who is deserving to come to our shores in Washington. Um, and, and so on a controlled basis, I would urge that Congress look at giving the state's power. I mean, that's a, that's about as Republican an idea as you can get. Yeah, you, you Rocky's
1: yeah. pursing his lips. He's thinking, hmm, we've got to talk about that, you know, once or twice on the show because it's a, uh, you know, there's a fear element. You could you say that in California and be very confident in what you think, Angelo, but we're in Georgia. <laughs>
2: and well, but but it's, not, it's not a power of deportation. I'm not I'm just saying. No, that, no, I'm just that thinking. That the state would have the power to say, yes, you, you seem to be offering a deserving a promising uh, uh, opportunity uh, we've looked at your portfolio, we think you can do it. We're not going to have the federal government tell us who can come here. So it's, it's not so much a power to, to uh, exclude, but a power to invite. Well, cer- certainly the state of Utah start. wants
1: that power, since they've already passed the law allowing themselves right. to do the temporary worker program. I, I right. think there should be a limited number of visas that each states have a, a chance to use. And clearly you've got states, particularly in the, in, in the prior, previously industrial northeast, who are literally trying to attract immigrants to their shores, to their cities, Detroit, uh, uh, you know, Cleveland, uh,
4: Buffalo. If, if states really want to get into this game and they really want to attract people, all they need to do is say, hey, we're giving you a driver's license. There's no state benefit for which you're not eligible. No state benefit that we're going to give is tied to your federal immigration status. We don't care. Here in the state of Georgia, if they just gave out driver's licenses, irrespective of what the federal government does, people be here – all kinds of people. The economy here would grow everything. And, and that's the thing, is the states just, I I mean, I, well, I agree with you. I, I think the states should have more I power, say, but they should but just disregard the federal government's stance on immigration and just go about their business.
2: Well, there's a parallel with the, with the uh, relaxation of the drug laws involving, uh, you know, domestic or social use of marijuana, uh, in that that's an effrontery to federal power. But what they don't have here in the states is the authority to grant work permission, right. the authority to live without uh, uh, without interference from federal authorities who would <laughs> try to deport, detain, and deport. And that's what we need. Oh,
4: but, I, I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying we don't. I just. I think the states could do a lot more than they are doing right now, though.
2: And oh, I agree. And and I think that would create more pressure for reform because if Congress thinks that they're being. Uh, taken out of the limelight, they'll jump back in the limelight by doing something. Absolutely. Um, the, the other thing I, I thought was interesting, because it, it does involve um, some big, big issues, are are the, the very large efforts. Uh, and I didn't go into it because it was just too large to recount. Uh, the movement toward um, uh, eliminating human trafficking, yeah. uh, which is a scourge upon our country, and uh, as it is on other developed countries. Uh, but also... <sighs> Uh, the uh, the way it was handled uh, in trying to create political hay by uh, uh, the arrest of a, a, a um, an Indian citizen who uh, worked for uh, both the Indian consulate and apparently also served as a, UN. Uh, a, a liaison to the United Nations on behalf of the Indian government. And it invokes the question of, of whether, uh, and I don't know the allegations, whether she did not uh, treat her housekeeper uh, properly. But the point is uh, that there, <laughs> we do have a concept of diplomatic immunity. We would not want an American uh, consular or embassy official uh, strip-searched and put in with the general prison population. Uh, and so this has outraged the, the country and the citizens of India. And I don't think the full story has been told. Again, I'm not picking... Winners and losers, in, in showing any favoritism. But I do think the, the principle of diplomatic immunity, about which we got all agitated when we had the Iranian hostage uh, crisis uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, take place. Um, all of us have seen the movie Argo and remember what that's about. Uh, we, we, I think that pr- the principle of diplomatic immunity is really important, and we have to be careful. I agree. Uh, it can bother. It can bother a citizen when when they, if a diplomat parks illegally. And uh, flouts the law. But on the other hand, it also has a there's a an underlying principle of of protection of our citizens uh, in foreign countries, which is very important.
1: Okay, let's take Uh, our final break here, Angela, on the immigration. We'll be right back in just a minute to, to finish up the Emmys.
3: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con, inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo. llame a los abogados de cook immigration partners. Somos en su lado con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración. Conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404488611 a las 40488611. visitítenos al ww.immigration.net.:
1: With all the back and forth in today's politics. It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate.
3: Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at
1: www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to our last segment on the Immigration Hour featuring today Angela Paparelli and the annual Emmys. Uh, we've worked our way through some of these Emmys, Angeles. Here's a question for you: I noticed on your blog you do accept nominations for Emmys. So my question is: Did you get any nominations this year?
2: You know, if I were to have to uh, uh, survive on the nourishment that uh, I would get from from comments on my blog, I would not uh, I would not <laughs> be uh, able to uh, sustain myself. People, uh, I think I may be just too too controversial to tangle with. I, I, don't think, get it. I think you'll be getting
4: true. you'll be getting a nomina- several nominations for me next year. Yeah, don't I, think, worry. I think Rocky will send <laughs> some in
1: for you. Uh, you know, well, I, on our blog too, we don't get very many comments, but people read it. We know people read it. You know, people read it. That's the beauty of Google Analytics, and uh, uh, clearly well, know, your blog is very prominent, Angelo.
2: People in government call me up, or they write me privately and oh. tell me that they what they think, and so I, I know it has impact. I've been told over and over again. Um, but even if even if uh, you know, there's a concept. Uh, called uh, The Eye of God that came out of the Renaissance, Chuck, Uh uh, where you could be painting a fresco up in the ceiling uh, and and, uh, paint a perfect rose, but because of the way the architecture and the the ceiling um, uh, structure is is, uh, um, laid out, no one could possibly see it from the ground, but you do it because uh, it can be seen by the eye of God. And, and that's sort of the craziness that I, I pursue when I write my blog. I don't know who reads this. All I know is that I think I have a pure heart, or I try to think that, and I, I express what I think would be good for the country in the immigration space. And if somebody reads it and they can, they can run with it, all the better. If not, I've saved myself some psychiatric bills. So.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just curious why you weren't nominated to be the new USCIS director, and we picked yet another Cuban.
2: Uh Chuck, I, I don't know that I have the uh, management skills to be the CIS director.
4: Uh,
2: I don't know that I have the the qualities that it takes. It's easy to be a critic. It's not easy to get in the in the uh, in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt said, and and, uh, and and engage in the fight. So I have to be honest that my limitations. I also. Uh, I don't like living in Washington. I live here in <laughs> that's, in that's no, Washington, Paradise. Uh, but you and were so, just
1: talking uh, about the Perp Walk, walk blooper award that, that that was given out to the Department of State, I think, or the U.S. Attorney in New York. Well, actually,
2: the U.S. Attorney, Attorney in New, York, in New York, York.
1: York for the this was I mean that was terrible. She has clearly got a diplomatic immunity, clearly.
2: Well, it certainly seems to be the case. It's also a question, um, uh, Chuck, of, of uh, uh, what was on. Uh, the visa application that was that was fraudulent you and i know how badly those applications oh they're terrible they're are, terrible are written. and so it's it's not clear to me uh, how the question was answered on the form and whether there may be a legitimate alternate interpretation i wouldn't be surprised if that comes out in the future oh i like i my, agree uh,
1: i agree the visa fraud charges are are just a joke they're absolutely a joke uh, uh, well, I
2: don't. I don't want to say one way or the other because I
1: really don't. I want to will. Back to I'll oh, be happy to say. Oh,
2: that. I, I know you ventured where a lot of uh, less courageous people go. Don't go. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, my point is that uh, you know this is this is something that that some uh, um, third-rate country could could use against Americans and really hurt us. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the one of the things I think is a, is a worthy point to make. We Americans have stopped thinking about how ugly we are to the rest of the world. And as uh, Americans uh, um, suzerainty over the over the rest of the world wanes, wanes con- considerably, considerably, let me try and re-speak that, uh, I think we have to be sensitive to the fact that other people, other countries have really smart people out there uh, who look at us and say, your American exceptionalism is nothing more than hubris. If you're going to uh, talk the talk, you better walk the walk, and okay. we too often don't walk the walk. Um, one, of the, one of the things I've often harped on, and I, I probably will give it an Emmy sometime, but I just get tired of talking about it, is how unfair the rules of the State Department are in terms of uh, uh, allowing people to apply on the merits of their cases for visas to come to the United States. Uh, we have such a scandalous way of of, uh, giving first impressions to uh, deserving people who, even if they're not worthy of coming under the law, are worthy of being treated with human dignity. Mm -hmm. And and our visa process uh, sorely lacks a sufficient modicum of dignity uh, to the individual who applies in good faith and pays high fees and then is abused and and treated with uh, two minutes of of indifference and calling that a visa adjudication.
1: Mm. Uh, Amen. And amen. Now, i, I got to ask you about another award. Uh, you gave the Jack Boot Welcome Award. I love this award. Uh, I always refer to the clients, hey, how, how was your experience at the airport? You know, guys with black uniforms and guns. How'd that go for you? Welcome to America.
2: Well, I don't know the story here, um, and I, I really don't know whether the, uh, you, you know, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has authority over a variety of things, including agricultural products. Um, I, I often wondered whether it made sense to uh, try and house within one agency all of the different federal statutes that have to be enforced at the border. And uh, apparently a a musician who was uh, uh, a permanent resident uh, of Cuban descent had gone on to uh, perform in Canada and was coming back with his uh, collection of of wood uh, uh, musical instruments that were uh, either reed or bamboo, and... uh, uh, they, they at uh, Customs and Border Protection at JFK just decided to destroy everything that uh, he needed to to carry on his livelihood. Now, uh, I would have thought that cooler heads might prevail, and they, the 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 products, if they were indeed agricultural threats, could have been isolated and let let uh, uh, reasonable heads prevail as over what to do with them. Maybe there was a way to decontaminate them so he could still practice his profession, but instead to just uh, destroy them right in front of him, um, seemed rather heartless. And to me, it was a reminder that a great deal of unfairness occurs at ports of entry um, and that we, even Americans, have very little in the way of rights.
1: Oh, um, as recently pointed out by, was it the Second Circuit or the Third Circuit, uh, where they clearly indicated that you have no right uh, against uh, to not to be searched and seats at the airport. Right. Anybody does. Right. Uh, now, we've known about that as immigration lawyers for years, Angela. We've talked about it for years. I think I blogged about it four or five years ago. But uh, it finally is hit in the mainstream that if you've got stuff you don't want the government to see, don't show up at a U.S. airport with it. FedEx it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, sometimes I think we're a nation of sheep and lemmings because if you recall, there was this, uh, this, this uh, video of a guy who was uh, uh, being um, – um, uh, he was being searched at by the TSA, and he and he uh, he, he told the officer, "Don't touch my junk." Yeah, and, <laughs> and, junk uh, <laughs> and His package got fondled a little bit, and it turned out that uh, for a day and a half, Americans were all up in arms. <laughs> and then we then we proceed to go through the uh, the, the uh, screening system um, and subject ourselves to whatever technology uh, there is in lieu of, of a pat down, and and so. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, too many of us have decided that uh, in the battle between security and privacy, uh, privacy loses, yep. and and uh, and that's just an unfortunate fact of life. Um, I, I have to say though that I really like TSA pre. Oh, that uh, pre-check it, it is a
1: wonderful, a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing.
2: It makes it, it makes sense that if you go through and you allow yourself to be screened once then you're given the benefit of the doubt and uh, you have a much easier way of getting through. You
1: mean the way and, things used to be is what pre-check yeah, is, the yeah. way things used to be. Right. Well, Angela, so you've got one. a couple other words I want to get on before we got to go here in a couple minutes. Uh, the last one, of course, is we're not from D.C., we get it. You talked a little bit about that, alluded to it a little bit earlier. We're giving the states some authority, but there are some cities and states and regions that are really trying to attract immigrants to their areas.
2: And, and that is true. Um and I think, I think, unfortunately, uh, states in this federal system of, of uh, preemption in the immigration space, as we've seen, uh, thankfully, we've seen in some Supreme Court decisions involving uh, Arizona and, and uh, Alabama, um, that that we do have federal preemption. But that's not to say that that there can't be a, a grant of power from the federal government to the states to really allow some exciting propositions. What I would envision would be something that would be like the, the educational program, Race to the Top, where states have to compete for federal grant money. I would suggest that there ought to be a competition uh, of a Race to the Top in immigration, where the prize is not money, but the authority to convert, confer uh, green cards and work visas on promising entrepreneurs and and promising projects that will solve America's ills. Is, well, you know, uh, I think New
1: York has won that race so far over the last couple of decades, and they've done a really great job of attracting people. Now, Angelo, we have one minute left, and you have a quote—the immigration quote of the Emmy quote of the year—which I loved. This quote.
2: Well, I, you know, I always have an eye out for um, the, the 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 thing that resonates with me uh, that you don't expect to find and or see as you're traveling around, and I happened to be in Boston, and I was going to a restaurant, um, walked down a stairwell, and then I was confronted with this quote uh, that that was uh, painted on the wall. It said, we create boundaries only to trap ourselves within them. Um, And and this was a a stairwell that was leading to a a boutique by a fashion retailer known as Lewis in Boston. And I thought to to myself, that is really in a very few words uh, what part of the problem is, uh, we we forget that Fortress America uh, causes us to to uh, uh, atrophy as much as it causes others to stay away, and and we just have to continue to face that challenge and reach the proper balance uh, between our, our safety from uh, evil doers and our the benefits we can receive from an open-hearted immigration pro- policy.
1: Angelo, and, and that so- that is a great way to end the show. Uh, we're out of time. Dave's giving me the signal. I've, this is the second time I've had Angela on the show. It's always – we never have enough time. Uh, you've been awesome, Angela. Next year you will get more nominations for the Emmys because I know Rocky's going to be sending some in. Yeah. And we'll see you soon, my friend. This is the Immigration Thank Hour. Thank you Angela. This is America's Wave Radio, the Immigration Hour. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, Or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today
3: at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.